you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Welcome to another episode of the Mashals Buttons Mashcast, Mashals Buttons podcast about video games, community, culture, and industry. I am Jarrett, host of Watchpoint Radio and also known as Ja, and I am here with Nick Zelenkevich, host of WoW Talk and the Torn and the Goblin, also Scourge of Iron Forge and Games Industry Public Defender. How you doing, Nick? You know, I just changed my Twitter bio to include that I'm the Scourge of Iron Forge and the big games industry public defender on the MASHcast. And I was worried there that you were going to take that out for now. Oh, no, no. It stays in. It stays with you forever, Nick. I, I would hope that it does. I would hope that it does. Absolutely. We are also here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I got rid of the other. Yeah, I Two was, twice is enough. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for it. I was wondering if I had to change my Twitter too or not. <laughs> just as a clarification for the name we'll, we'll get there still waiting on the hook <laughs> yes but this is episode number five i'd like to welcome anybody listening for the very first time thanks for checking out the Mashcast, and i also like to thank anybody who is a returning listener we appreciate you uh you know coming all back today's topic is about digital distribution but before we get into that, let's check in with everybody, see how everybody's doing. Nick, you can go first. Uh, well, two things. One, I am now about 70 wins away from getting my Golden Rogue in Hearthstone. So progress. Uh, and two, if, if I can take a moment to complain about WoW for a moment, just real quickly. Absolutely. Um, so I've been working on getting my Rogue Hidden Artifact weapon. I needed to run two dungeons to get a drop from each of those dungeons, and I could go talk to a dragon, and that dragon would give me the artifact weapon. So I finally got the second drop from the second dungeon, and I went to go talk to the dragon, and the dragon's not there. I'm like, why isn't the dragon there? Is the game bugged? What's going on? And so I looked it up on WoWhead, and it said that I need to apparently play through, like, half of the Stormheim, uh, the one zone, in order to get this dragon to appear, which I didn't know about. So I was all excited. I was about to get my hidden artifact weapon for my rogue. I no longer can do that because now I have to spend time playing in Stormheim. So not that I hate Stormheim. It's just something I wasn't expecting. I'm very salty about that. Salty enough that I'm mentioning it now. So <laughs> that, that, that's all that's going on in WoW. All right. Salt from WoW. Okay. How about you, Christina? Uh, well, I finally platinumed Ease, and I haven't started anything else because I was like, yeah, let's do Kingdom Hearts 2, and then I haven't. So I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV. I got an even larger house than I had before, so that's really nice. And I've been working on getting all the crafting script gear, and that's about it. So high-tier crafting. Nice. Well, congratulations on your new home. Thank you. It has a lot yeah. of walls. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. I'm just buying walls and putting them in there. That's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, it's your house. You can do whatever you want with exactly. it. Exactly. So. You when you spawn when you spawn into the zone in my house, you're in a bathtub. Awesome. Yeah, that's a word for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so it's my turn. Usually the long one. This one's gonna be long too. I always <laughs> analyze my gaming experiences through the week. So, so uh, 
I actually kind of slowed down on Kingdom Hearts. I, you know, I I had Kingdom Hearts open and I was playing through the Riku side of Chain of Memories, and then we had a blackout because of Nor'easter on Wednesday. That's Nor'easter getting back at me because that morning I was like Nor'easter, more like Bore Easter because it was just raining, and then it came in with a vengeance around noon and cut my fucking lights off. <laughs> like you know, a couple hours after that, I'm like, God damn it! So I knew I was hosed too because I heard a transformer explode, and uh, then what happened was well, I go out for like a couple seconds and they come back on, and then I hear another explosion. That's the backup, and I'm like, Yep, yeah, we are out. For the night, and yeah, so, but I had, you know, my, my, I never really turn off my PS4. I just put it into rest mode. So I was in the middle of one of the levels, and now I have to start over from the beginning. So it's not that big of a deal, but I have not gone back into it since then. I've just pretty much been focusing on Overwatch and trying to help people rank up. And some of my, the thing that's been happening to me in Overwatch, if you listen to Watchpoint Radio for the past like month or two, is a lot of my older friends that I used to play Counter-Strike with are now playing Overwatch. So now it's kind of like, okay, well, I got to get them up to speed. I got to, you know, get them ranked and show them how to play and stuff like that. And once these guys actually learn the game, they're going to be monsters. They have some of the best uh, um, tracking I've ever seen across a first-person shooter. So, you know, they're, they're going to be monster DPS and Overwatch, so I've been doing that. Other than that, I did get a Nintendo Switch. Uh, so I saw uh, Christina in RL yesterday while I was getting a controller for it. You know, pro, you know uh, for those who don't know, you can actually get good trading value at GameStop now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not bad. I, yeah, it wasn't bad. I actually got, I got much more than I thought I was going to get from the stuff that I brought. Um, but then again, it wasn't in bad condition either. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's that that might have helped. But uh, yeah, so I got the switch, and uh, I have come to a realization that I did not realize how much how important it was for me to be able to play Zelda while I was taking the shit. Like it really, <laughs> that was the realization I came to. I'm like, this is really cool that I can do this. That I can play Zelda on the toilet. You know, and it's like, you know, it really go. It's, it's super seamless, too. Like, you just take it off the dock and take it with you. And you you know what? On the dock. That's the thing that amazes me every time is it works as advertised. And it sounds silly because it's like you can just pick it up and go. But like the fact that it does that, like without like any lag or anything, you just pick it up and you can literally go. It amazes me every time. Yeah, like it's that that's that's pretty cool. You know, I, I do like it so far i mean i had to pick up a pro controller because there's no i can't play with the regular controller i've tried it it doesn't work for me my hands is too big and the pro, the pro controller is nice so and actually i was a little i, I didn't realize that you when you take the switch with you they don't give like i, I thought that the charging cable for the switch was going to be like a USB-C charging cable you connect that to an adapter but the one that comes in the switch box is it's just a power adapter that you need to have like in a wall. But right? you, yeah, but you can have that plugged into the switch as well, like when it's out. So you can take that with you. I can take that with me, but the Pro Controller has a USB-C with a USB, I guess, A end. Oh, right. And I, and I could just take that with me as opposed to going behind my TV and unplugging my switch and doing all that stuff. Because that's what more I was, I was concerned more about that, like having to go in the back get it through my surge protector stuff like that so that's pretty nice 
Um, I what did I get? I got Breath of the Wild. And I got another game. I got a Wipeout code called Fast RMX, which I was like, I don't know. It looks like Wipeout. I'll get it. It's only twenty bucks. If it's bad, it's only twenty bucks. If it's good, it's only twenty bucks. <laughs> you know, so it works out. I actually do like it. It's a pretty nice racing game. I thought it was pretty cool. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. Um, Zelda, I am. I I do like it so far. I am enjoying it. However. This early into the game, I am thinking Horizon got robbed for Game of the Year. I'm not going to lie, and I haven't played Horizon, but I know that Zelda definitely had some, uh, I guess, pushes because it's Zelda. Yes. Like, at this point on Horizon Zero Dawn, you could not take me off of that game. Like, I had a serious problem putting it down at this day, at this point. With the, with the Zelda... The only reason I was really playing it is because I was playing it between uh, Overwatch matches. You know, like I had the switch set up in front of my monitor and I'll be playing it. And then on the match starts, I put it down. Whereas with Horizon Zero Dawn, I was just playing that game. Um, the, the I guess, I mean, the things like I, I would say the biggest difference. Is, oh, Nick, you got something to say? I just wanted to say, isn't that part of the problem, though, that Horizon Zero Dawn came out first? And so people may not have gotten to that point in Horizon Zero Dawn where they got addicted to it. That Zelda came in and they immediately jumped over to that. And they didn't come back to Horizon Zero Dawn till much later in the year after they had already made up their mind that Zelda was the best game of the year. So I will admit that I didn't get Horizon because three days later I was like dropping $500 on Zelda and the Switch. So that would have probably happened with a lot of other people. But they didn't come out. I mean, they came out like within a month of each other. Three days. Three days? Three days. Horizon came out on the 28th. Yeah, February 28th. And then Zelda, like the Switch came out February 3rd because it was a Tuesday, Friday. See, huh. I, I take back what I said then because 72 hours is clearly enough time to get into Horizon Zero Dawn before Zelda came out. But yeah, but she's saying a lot of people didn't even get uh, Horizon because Zelda. If you're not playing for 72 hours straight after a game comes out, I don't know what kind of gamer you are. (laughs) I mean, I did do a 24 hour stream of Zelda when it came out. So, So, like the thing about Zelda, I'm going to say some what I don't like about Zelda because you know, and I'm going to sound like I'm shitting on it, but I'm not because I still think it's a good game, right? But compared to Horizon, the world of Zelda seemed like world of. Breath of the Wild seems dead if you compare the two. Like Horizon Zero Dawn from start to finish. Actually, it's not say from start to finish because once you get toward the end of the game, um, actually, no, no. Nope, start to finish, sorry. <laughs> from start to finish, the game just feels so full of life and things happening. Whereas with Breath of the Wild, one of the first things I noticed is like, man, there's a ton of open space but it's not very filled up. There's not a lot of things here. You know, there's enemies sprinkled here, enemies sprinkled here. Whereas with Horizon Zero Dawn, there's herds all over the place or there's, you know, um, flora all over the place. There's people kind of walking around even outside. Even if the, the herd that you see isn't threatening, it's there and it's kind of there. You can hunt it, you know. Um... Well, go ahead, Nick. I just wanted to ask, though, like, do you think people are comparing Zelda and Horizon Zero Dawn, or do you think people were comparing Zelda to Skyward Sword and, I guess, games that came before Horizon Zero Dawn? Zelda doesn't get compared to other games. Zelda gets compared to other Zelda games. 
well, I'm comparing it to Horizon because I mean those <laughs> those two games are like the type of games there are very similar. Actually, there were I saw a lot of comparisons while like when Zelda came out because of how one how big the world is. Like the, the two things they have in common is how big Horizon Zero Dawn's world is and how big Breath of the Wild's world is. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, the game has a lot of empty spaces, but there's a lot of secrets that like even I missed just playing through it. Like I've missed so many like shrines and puzzles and stuff like that playing through Zelda. So it is uh, right. there's a lot more stuff than you see, but it probably is a little bit more empty than Horizon. Right. Well, Horizon has a bunch of, you know, a bunch of secret stuff too. But the reason I found so much of the secret stuff in Horizon was because the world is so interesting. Like I want to go over here, I want to go over there. Whereas with Breath of the Wild, like I'm, I'm off of the Great Plateau now, and I had to force myself to go far left on the Great Plateau because I was just gonna leave, and I was like, eh, I'm gonna be pissed if I miss something. You know, and so I went. That's why I went far left. But in Horizon, like, I just found myself in so many different places. You know, I don't know. And I then, did that in Zelda, though. Like, I I literally looked everywhere. So yeah, like it was as with Zelda, I would see a part of the map that I didn't go to, and I would go there. Versus Horizon, where I would just go. I will follow here, go one place, and find something, which leads me to this other place, which leads me to this other place, and I eventually cover the entire map like you're you're really rewarded in horizon for exploring with not just um you know finding some secret stuff but like they also you also find side quests and stuff like that like not every side quest just pops up for you it doesn't lead into other side quests you can actually miss a lot of side quests in horizons that's that's one of the only complaints some people have because i'll I'll be talking like you know somebody won't have something right or they'll be running into trouble because they didn't they don't have enough like you know of a certain type of material i'm like well you didn't do this side quest because you should have xyz when you do this side quest he's like i didn't even know it existed you know. Yeah, I heard uh, complaints about Zelda is like with the side quest, when you start them up, it's like, hey, bring me this or find this person for me. They're in this location and it doesn't show you where that person is or anything like that. The only thing that it shows you is where you have to return for the quest. Yeah, exactly. So I've heard complaints about that, too. Yeah, and that, that's kind of another thing. Like, um, you know, one of the first quests is to go to those three shrines. But between that, there's no quest in between like there's no quest like go to this shrine or and then go to this shrine and then go to this shrine you just go to these three shrines everything then, in that game is optional yeah like well, once you get this, off because you well, once you, you get off the plateau you can literally like if you want to go to the final boss oh yeah yeah like so uh you know the thing like so there's like the first shrine right that you can get actually the first two shrines you can get to fairly simply the second two shrines are in the snowy place they're like in the icy place. And they really don't tell you how to get there, right? Like they don't tell you, like they, they show you where they are, like you find where they are. But once you step into the cold area, you start to lose health because you're not dressed properly. But they don't tell you how to avoid that, you know? Like they don't tell you how to, they don't, they don't give you a quest. Like, so basically the way you do it, I mean, for, um, most people have probably played Brother Wild at this point, where you get the tunic or you get the recipe, that allows you to go into that place. So I'm pretty sure, like, there's hot peppers on that trail that you can just eat. You don't even have to cook the, them. If you no, if you eat the hot peppers, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't. You have it, to make the recipe. You, had you to know, because you know what I did is I picked up a torch and I walked with a torch the whole time. 
Oh yeah, like yeah. no, I, I didn't uh, walk with the torch. I actually, I didn't even have a I'm torch smart. at that point. I didn't have a torch at that point. I didn't get a torch until actually I killed somebody in the mountainous area, and that's how I got my first torch. That's how I got the first torch. But so I go to the mountainous area. It's not there. Right? I, I can't go in there because I'm losing too much health. So I back out, and it doesn't tell you what to do or you know how you supposed to deal with that. I just so happened to run into a house. And the house is a book, and it talks about this recipe that you're supposed to get, but it doesn't tell you how to use the recipe. So, you know, I, I'm, like, just kind of fumbling around, going to other places. I'm like, oh, here's a fish. I grab the fish, and I'm like, this is probably what the recipe needs. I go back. I cook the fish. That's the recipe. That's how I get the tunic. I'm not going to lie, though. That's kind of That was kind of the charm of the game for me, where, like, it doesn't really tell you what to do or hold your hand. It's just you kind of got to figure it out and go. Like how you, you were talking last time about how, like, games, you kind of, like, they never taught you what to do before. Like, oh, A is jump, and you learn how to do jump and stuff like that. And this is kind of going back to those roots, I think. Right. Like, it didn't like, – it's it didn't – you know why it, bothered, it didn't necessarily like bother me that I had to figure it out. I mean, obviously I figured it out, and it didn't take me too long to figure it out. But the world, since the world's not engaging me that much, I just wanted to make it through there. Like I just wanted to make it through, get to the shrines, get what I needed, and then go about my business so I can get to the rest of the game. Like the the world, especially on the Great Plateau, was I was kind of bored right i was like okay well this is just a starting area it's not going to be that great uh so i want to get off the great plateau so i can go do something else that's probably more interesting and that kind of holding me back me trying to figure out what to do was a little bit frustrating and that's not to mention like i have horizon zero dawn in the brain as i'm playing this you know and i'm just kind of like at this point in horizon zero dawn i wasn't rushing through anything i was just having a great time you know um so yeah, once I got through, oh yeah, another thing that kind of bothered me—they don't really tell, give you an indicator of enemies that you really shouldn't be fucking with at this point. They don't <laughs> right? put any enemies. In, so the game is based on how many you kill. So the more enemies you kill, the stronger they get. So any of the enemies that you're fighting in the beginning of the game, unless you're not great, you're gonna die. Unless it's a Lionel, that's the only enemy you don't want to mess with. Well, I fought one enemy in the snowy mountain. He was like, he looked like one of the other regular enemies, but he was blue. And oh, yeah, he's a little stronger. The blue ones are a little stronger. He killed me in one hit. I had three hearts. <laughs> he killed me in one hit. There should be like uh, some kind of like indicator about that. Yeah, he's that, blue. Like, well, yeah, like, no, there's no other type of warning indicator. And blue is not a dangerous color. So I avoided him. I eventually like learned how to fight them anyway, uh, because of if like if I have like one of the bigger weapons like a hammer or one of the big broadswords, I just start spinning as he comes up toward me and it interrupts him enough to kill him. But that's frustrating. Uh, but I'm off the Great Plateau now. Uh, it did pick up a little bit, but yeah, for me, I already know that I don't think I, I'm not going to enjoy this game as much as I did it with Horizon. Um, mainly because this is this is more Skyrim like than I like it to be. Like one of the reasons I didn't finish Skyrim, not enough direction. You know, I did have that issue. I played Skyrim for two hours, tried to take some dead person's horse, realized I couldn't, and I was like, "This is I can't do this." 
Yeah, it's like it's not it's not enough direction. Like I, I would like more direction in a game like this. Like fine, you could let me explore. Like Horizon lets you explore; they don't stop you, but they still tell you at the end of the day: these are your quests, these are your side quests, these are your errands. Like so, it's like most important, second important, third important. You know, it it kind of tells you what to do, and then on top of that. You they want you want to explore because you know you want to run into that guy who's about to get attacked by a sawtooth and then it pops up on your screen like hey welcome to this side quest and I'm like fucking awesome <laughs> you know that's why and, I like Witcher compared to Skyrim because like you have a character that you're following and it gives you direction like you know what you're doing yeah and also with Horizon it really feels like nothing went to waste right even if I killed the most basic of the basic machines I could use the parts for something. Whereas with this game, it's kind of like I just have stuff like sitting around right now. I'm not really using it. I need to drop a bunch of stuff, you know. <laughs> Play further into the game and then like you you could use stuff for other like, like stop it. <laughs> I know later on. Mad. I know I'm going to be able to use this stuff later on. Right. But that's the way with the horizon. Like anything you get, you can kind of almost use it immediately. Right. There's always a reason to kill a machine there's you know you can always come up with a good reason to kill a machine whereas some of these camps i could just skip past them you know like okay well i'll just let that guy be you know plus it was it, it was definitely easier to get around horizon in the beginning because even from the start of the game you could mount a machine you just had to get to it you couldn't call a machine yet but if you saw a herd which they're all over the place you could mount it and ride it around it made it really easy yeah you could and, do that with a horse too yeah once i get it <laughs> yeah, they're like the everywhere the horses yeah i have yet to see a horse actually oh no sorry God. i saw my first horse cop just past the circus or something like that so <laughs> well what i heard a whistle and it was the it was Epona song i'm like okay yeah that give circus my, is the stable where yeah i was like give horses. me my goddamn horse i want my horse i wanted the horse on the great plateau to be honest with you because it's such a big area but still like, Play more, and then we'll, we could discuss this. Because, like, every time you say something, I get like a little bit of a headache. Well, yeah, like I said, it's it's, it's early, and I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm just saying, like, at this point, uh, like, like you know, I'm like two minutes I, in. I'm like five hours into it. I'm like five hours into the game. Five hours into Horizon, like I was just way more engaged in it. That's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, all I'm saying is that Horizon was robbed. <laughs> we were robbed. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm, like I said, I'm sure like, it's not a bad game. I'm just comparing it to a game that I think it's better. You know, like Kobe's not a bad player. You compare him to Jordan, you might sound like you're shitting on him. You know, you both shake your head at me. I'm like, that's that's kind of like you know, that's what I'm saying. I don't know who this Jordan is. LeBron is the goat. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> uh, well, I guess it's time to get into our main topic now that we've talked about that for some time. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've given Christina several headaches at this point. <sighs> so you should, while I'm playing this, you should play Horizon. I'll let you borrow my copy. Yeah, maybe that's what I, uh, me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Instead yeah. of like physically giving her the copy, is there some way that you could send her the copy over the internet? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so that graceful segue from Nick <laughs> was about our main topic, digital distribution. Uh, you know, digital distribution, it's commonplace now, but for quite a while, um, 
well, at least on console for quite a while, it was it was an enigma. You know, they were trying to do it, but didn't do it very well. So we're going to talk about digital distribution. We're going to talk about the history a bit. We're going to talk about uh, its effects and, I don't know, maybe the future that we see for digital distribution. But let's start with the history first. Uh, I mean, a lot of people credit Steam with digital distribution for games. You know, because Steam, hit, they definitely hit the nail on the head. But to actually, I think one of the earliest um, examples of digital distribution goes back to 1980 with Atari, uh, something called the Game Line, which I've never used this. I've just heard about it. But the Game Line was a cartridge you would use and you would uh, connect it to your phone line and it would dial in and you could like rent games, I believe, on the Atari for like five to ten games and that went from like 1980 to 83 well actually i I think it's like 81 maybe 80 81 it started but definitely stopped in 83 because that's when the crash happened so uh yeah that's that's one of the first examples of digital distribution all the way back then and uh after that we also had you know sega mega net which was for the mega drive uh for in 1990 which that was an online service that provided multiplayer and downloadable titles. I don't think it made it to the United States, though. It was supposed to, um, and they were going to name it Telegenesis, which I really love that name, but it never. <laughs> it was only in Japan and Brazil. Yeah, 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 that never made it to the United States, but like it did allow you to download games and play multiplayer with your friends. But this is like 1990. You know, I don't think internet really, pro, you know, became uh, like proliferated in the United States until like ninety seven, ninety eight, maybe. That's when it really did. So, asking your parents, like, I, I mean, I don't think if you weren't alive in the nineties, asking your parents to hook up the phone to your, you know, Sega Mega Drive, just wasn't happening. It just wasn't. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. Well, actually, no. In 1990, it definitely wasn't happening. <laughs> but My parents were, like, ahead of the curve, and they were, like, all about internet stuff. So if I was uh, coherent at that time and had that, I'm sure they would let me do it. Maybe. But they didn't because you weren't coherent. I we... wasn't alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually had an extra phone line that we used just for the internet. So I got to use it as my own line when nobody else was on there. But otherwise, that you know, it was, we had a... You know, that, I thought we were awesome because we got two phone lines. Look at us, super fancy. Oh, yeah. I did the same thing. Well, what year did you do it? Uh, 96, I think. Yeah, I had, I had my own phone line in like 97. Actually, actually no, no. Because, it would have been a little bit earlier uh, that, than that. Because even, I think in like 96, 95, 96 was when we, we got on. Oh, God. What was the name of the service? Like, I want to say Netgear. It wasn't Netgear. We got on some service, like an AOL-type service. But before that, I remember like 94, uh, I think it was 94, playing Doom, like the the deathmatch. Like you dial in your friend who was running Doom. Like you call his number because my friend also had a second line, so it was awesome. And like we just play each other in Doom uh, going back and forth like that. Th- I wouldn't call that the internet, though. That's not necessarily no, the internet. That's, yeah, that's not like the internet, but the, yeah. the subsequent service that – Net something. I can't remember. Net zero? Not net zero. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking. That was definitely like 98 or so when net zero came around. Which, by the way, it wasn't zero dollars if you actually wanted decent (laughs) service. Yes. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so 
after the Sega Mega Drive came Sega Channel, which Sega Channel used coax cable. And we don't mean like coax cable to a cable modem. We mean coax cable to a cartridge that you popped into your Genesis. Uh, hey, you plug the coax cable into the Sega, to, into the Mega Drive, uh, not into the Mega Drive, into the Sega Channel cartridge. And it had its own subscription fee and it had uh, its own activation. And if you think Xbox Live is expensive or PSN is expensive, the subscription fee for Sega Channel is $15 a month. And it costs $25 to activate. In 1994. <laughs> not happening. Like, it really, it's just not really that great. Even though they had something like, when, when it was on a Genesis, they had like 270,000 subscribers. Mostly in Japan. Mostly in Japan. Actually, I think maybe all in Japan. Uh, I don't know if they actually ever made it to the United States, but 270,000 subscribers. And when the Genesis stopped development, it dropped down to 230,000 subscribers. But that allowed for multiplayer, downloadable titles, demos. You get cheat codes. And yeah, it was directly connected via coax. Which, I mean, it's a pain in the ass to get Comcast to come and put a coax line now. Imagine back in 1994, you know. So a lot of this stuff may actually seem like it's no big deal when if you had it, it was a big deal, <laughs> you know. Uh, now, what else? We had? Now, we actually, we're we going to hop into PC a little bit. Uh, Stardock created Stardock Central, which was before, you know, it was it hosted Stardock's games only like Battle.net does or how uh, Steam originally did. And that started in 2001. Then they created another service called uh, Dragon. Uh, uh, Dragon, I don't know, I can't pronounce it properly, but Dragon.net, which was a subscription model, which was ahead of its time. And then they created TotalGaming.net, which was a, a token model. Like, you buy tokens. They figured out early, the way Microsoft did with Microsoft Points, that you give them to buy tokens that it's just not enough or just a little more than what they need to pay, and they'll keep buying tokens. So that's, that's what that was. That's TotalGaming.net. Then later on, Stardock created Impulse, which was a Steam competitor. This was in 2008. And then GameStop bought Impulse in 2011. And that's when I actually heard about Impulse for the very first time. Me nor anybody else I talked to knew what Impulse was <laughs> until GameStop bought it in 2011. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to that stuff, and I, like, ever. <laughs> and I probably wouldn't know if we weren't doing the MASHcast in 2011. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't know at all. You know what I really like, though? Like, looking into this stuff, like, Dragon.net had actually, like, you paid more for the first year that you had it, but any, like, subsequent time that you bought, it was a less lesser amount of, like, money. I don't know why I said it that way. But, like, <laughs> it started off at $50 a year, and then if you had it still for the next year, it was only, like, 35 Kind of like a, a loyalty bonus. Yeah. Kind of. So, okay, that's cool. So that's Stardock. Now, Steam, the big boy, still the best at digital distribution, undisputed champion of digital distribution. Oh, okay, Nick, you got a question? Well, no, I I ask, were they always that good at digital distribution? At the time, yes. They were the best still. Well, they were the best by default, but I mean, they, they, they struggled early, didn't they? They struggled, I think, in certain areas. I was lucky because, you know, I live in New Jersey, right? Um, and you sit between New York and Philadelphia. You have two 
major metropolitan areas, literally within 50 miles of me. I'm going to get some pretty good service, <laughs> you know. So I never really had a problem with Steam. There was other places that I think if you lived in other parts of the country, you might have had some issue with Steam, staying connected, being able to log in and authenticate and stuff like that. But eventually that, that, got, that got worked out. But uh, yeah, so, so I, I remember the big fuss around Steam because Steam was, I think it was the first, one of the first games that Valve, well, Half-Life 2 was one of the first games that Valve made where when you bought the disc, I'm pretty sure the disc just had Steam on it. That's all it had. The disc had Steam on it. You install Steam, you download the game from Steam. So, but yeah, it was created specifically to distribute Valve games, which at that point was Half-Life, Counter-Strike, uh, Team Fortress, and maybe a couple of mods. You know, all these Half-Life 2 mods, which there were a bunch of them, you know, and uh, Hammer, of course. But then Half-Life 2 was when they really started for, uh, enforcing it, which, I don't know, I was, I was hesitant. I, I remember being hesitant about it. I'm like, oh, I have to download it? Like, I can't go get a disc? Like, I can't go to the store and buy it? And I'm like, no, you got to download it. I'm like, I don't know. It comes with Counter-Strike for free. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was really late to the game with Steam because I, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of digital, so I didn't like the whole thing was I don't have a disc. If something goes wrong and I lose the game, I can't just reinstall it from the disc. Like I had to re-download it, but what if it gets lost? Like it was just like a consistent circle that I would go throughout my head. And I just I don't think I jumped on Steam until like 2010, 2011. Because, like, I refuse to buy digital games. Yeah, no. After Half-Life 2, forget about it. Like, I, <laughs> I was all about it. I'm like, oh, this is fucking awesome. I got Counter-Strike for free. Because like, you can actually get... The thing about Counter-Strike Source is, if you pre-ordered Half-Life 2, you got Counter-Strike Source for free that day. Like, you know. And I'm just like, yes. Yes, please. Thank you. And, man, yeah, it was awesome. But yeah, that's I do remember that. But yeah, that started in two thousand and four. Negative thing about Steam though, it, that's Steam started the whole really started this uh, rabbit hole we've gone down about not owning your games. Steam was one of the first platforms to introduce that you don't own the game; you just have the right to use the game. You know, and in their terms of service, it could be or still can be revoked by Valve. So yeah, that's that's the thing. But as of 2013, Steam has 75% of the of the market share for PC games, and that's for a very good reason. I mean, it's not like you don't have alternatives. You do a lot of them, but you can't touch the champ. Can't touch them. You know. Speaking of alternatives, uh, like what came after Steam? Games for Windows Live. EA Store slash Origin, Direct to Drive, GOG.com, Gamersgate.com. Uh, the Battle.net launcher was like in 2009, I think. The Bethesda launcher, which was more recently, Uplay, the Epic launcher. And actually, those launchers are because of Battle.net. You know, once Battle.net, like, you know, really took off, Bethesda wanted their own launcher. You play, well, you play one of their own launcher because they wanted to be like EA because they copy. So EA didn't like the fact that Steam had such a huge hold on them. They created their own, well, actually, sorry, they rebranded their own digital distribution platform because they had the EA store since at least 2007. That's how you got Battlefield. But, uh, well, Battlefield 2142. 
but with with their origin rebrand, that's when they really start. They they started putting their own games on there, and not anywhere else. And then you play was like, oh, that looks like fun. So you can we'll do the same thing with you play, but we'll just make the game sellable on Steam, but you still have to open you play for the launcher. You know, and then you have the Epic launcher, but go ahead. Origin was another one that, like, I really refused to download because of all the controversy with that, with, like, they get in your your information or what. <laughs> I don't even know what it was, but everybody was like, don't download Origin. And then I got The Sims 4, and, like, you were forced to download Origin, even though you had the disc for it. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry for what? laughing, but you didn't happen to listen to the MASHcast in, like, 2012, I'm guessing. No. Be- because we had a long, long argument about how much Jarrett hated Origin and wouldn't play certain <laughs> games because he refused to install Origin. And I think I maintained at some point you were going to have to play, there was going to be some game that was going to make you install it. And I don't quite remember how that argument turned out, but. Yeah, it's called The Sims 4 in SimCity. Well, I'll tell you why I installed Origin. That that can come out here, but it's going to be a little bit later because the, the controversy Christina is talking about is actually, um, it's the pre-dispute arbitration agreement. That was one of the biggest controversies with Origin, and we're going to get to that and how you can get around that or how you used to be able to get around that. It's too late for you now. <laughs> you can't do it anymore, but this is how you, you – I will tell you how that story went down. But, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of competitors. Now, everybody wants a piece of the – even Microsoft with the Microsoft Store and the – um the Xbox Live store was essentially just an extension of the Microsoft store selling their games there. You know, everybody's in digital distribution. And consoles, you know, f- they really held off on that, right? Even with the PS4, sorry, the PS3 and Xbox Live having tremendous online capabilities, they the digital distribution on those consoles just wasn't that great. First of all, it was like really only small games for Xbox Live and PSN, just small games like, well, actually the Xbox Live arcade titles and the indie titles, but getting full games on them really didn't come until like much later on. It's funny how that's completely reversed now, too, because like everything's available digital and then a couple of games are sometimes physical as well because that's the special version. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really, the only reason to get a fit, the only reason to get a physical game is because it's like a special edition or something like that. It has a nice box. Like I have a physical edition of Overwatch because it came with a nice box with a statue. Oh yeah, I got the physical for PC because it came with like a notepad. You know, all the the standard thing that Blizzard games come with. Right. Yeah. So yeah, a console now is definitely trying to catch up to you know on digital distribution and actually i think that's not just because they see the convenience of digital distribution but one of the biggest issues that console games have had to deal with that pc has not had to to deal with right is resell of games pc you know people like developers really shat on pc for a long time because of piracy they did Ubisoft, I think to this day, WB Games still does not have a uh, a really good um, relationship with PC because they just expect it to be pirated, you know, and they don't put that much money to PC, like into their PC launches. I mean, look at almost every Batman game launched on PC. 
Especially the last one. Which did, is a I was going to say, name. did Arkham Knight actually officially launch, or did they kind of just leave it as... No, it launched, launched. It launched, and then they uh, took it down, and they fixed it. Put air well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they took it down, then fixed it, and put it back up, but it was still crappy. And did they just kind of leave it like that? No, they offered every. They took it down and offered everybody refunds. So it's Six not even months available. after, yeah, it's not even available. <laughs> Six months after the game was out, and they just, yeah, they, they WB Games is one of those. I don't buy, I don't buy PC games from WB Games, and I only buy certain PC games from U, from Ubisoft because Ubisoft is another one that doesn't have a good relationship with PC. Like they don't see it. They didn't see it as a bunch of pirates. So while the games industry was shitting on PC for piracy, guess what's happening on console? Resell of games. You know, because once you when when you buy a game, what, the only time a developer gets money from your game is the first time you sell it. You know, after that, every time GameStop resells you that game for fifty five dollars, that's not going back to the developer. <laughs> it is not. Though not just GameStop, but GameStop made so much money doing that that Best Buy and Target started doing it. You know that that's how much money they made. They posted billions of dollars in profits doing that. You know, so and it's also the reason for some of the most heinous crimes in the games industry, like putting multiplayer games, oh, putting multiplayer in games that don't need multiplayer, like the multi, like the mult, the Dead Space multiplayer only exists because of game trades. That's the only reason, you know. So digital distribution probably really started looking attractive to consoles you know not not just console uh, um, manufacturers but also people who develop console games digital distribution probably seemed really attractive after that and now in the PS4 and the Xbox One slash X era you can pre-order games digitally or you can pre-order a game or or you can like you know get them from a GameStop or a retail store or anything like that. But they're definitely putting you those digital pre-orders in your face, digital collector's editions in your face, you know. Because well, that's how they want you to get them. Retailers started fighting back and they've actually been um some of them have been able to sell specific games from from the actual manufacturer's permission to sell them like the day before at nighttime. So that way people can actually get their home game home, install it, and play it by the time everybody else has their game already installed and stuff. But will they, though? Because if you pre-order Destiny, you can preload Destiny. If you pre-order Destiny Digital, you can preload Destiny, right? Well, what I'm and saying then, is like 9 p.m. at night, not at midnight. So you could pick it up 9 p.m. on Monday when it launches on Tuesday, go home and install it or whatever. We're going to talk about PSN here in a second and like how <laughs> this is so on xbox that's probably not a big issue because the xbox digital distribution while at first it was pretty shit just like psn's digital distribution now the xbox digital distribution is actually pretty nice psn still has a problem so if you actually bought the physical destiny installed it then on top after, on top of installing it you have to wait for patches to come down like day one patches there's no way you're playing you're playing at the same time as somebody who actually uh digitally pre-ordered it cuz at midnight it unlocks they play at midnight or even at 9 p.m. like you're you're probably still downloading the patch because PSN it's trash in terms of downloads it really is 
somebody who only has a PlayStation like, no, it's not. Like, dude, yes, it is. Like, you just don't know. I just don't play. <laughs> I don't play multiplayer games except for Final Fantasy, where it really matters to have everything installed and ready to go as soon as it comes out. Right. No, so. I got gotcha. you. For, yeah, for the I mean, record, I only have a PlayStation, and I just don't know. Oh, you just don't know. <laughs> well, no, I think you were talking about that in uh, the pre-show or something. Say, like, it takes like minutes for an Xbox game to go, and I'm like, I've never had that. Like, I have to. Like, what'll happen is like on lunch, I'll see like, oh, this game came out today. I want to, you know, go and get that off PSN or something. And so I'll run down on my lunch break to queue up the download, and then I'll let it run for like the four hours for the rest of the afternoon, and then through dinner, and usually around like nine o'clock, I'll check back, and it should be there, but. Dude. I mean, I just like go on my phone and I'm like, oh, I want to download this game and I throw it on there. And by the time I get home, it's normally done. So I don't really yeah. see the download times. Yeah. No. Yeah. With the, I, I could with the Xbox. Actually, I was telling the story the other day. Like I had I saw that five new games popped up that I had before that I bought digitally on the Xbox 360. I'm like, oh, I'll play those again. And I just hit them all. They all downloaded within a matter of five minutes, five games. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to lie. I can see where you're coming from, too, because like I've done things where like it's multiple downloads and like I'm like, wow, this is taking a while. Let me just pause everything and see if that helps or whatever. And then I yeah. usually just walk away and eat or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing. That, that, that The point I was going to get to is that, you know, for digital distribution, I shouldn't even say consoles. The PlayStation is not fully there yet. And it really comes down to their infrastructure. That is the deal. The reason Microsoft can make games fly is because they leverage their amazing infrastructure. The Xbox Live has a much better infrastructure than the PlayStation Network. But the Sony really needs to reinforce their infrastructure so that they can start pushing downloads more. So they make it easier for you to digitally download a game. You know, I can't... With Steam with the Xbox... I can on the fly decide I want to play a game and have it within minutes. The PlayStation, I can buy a game on the fly, but then have buyer's remorse when it's only 50% done an hour or two hours later. You know, I can't play it immediately. Uh, that's kind of the deal, you know. Like, and that says a lot. When you could buy a AAA title, like, you know, I decided to, like, you know, I saw a Call of Duty was on sale for, like, 10 bucks, like, a while ago. And I buy it, and 10 minutes later, I have this 30-gig game. It's ready to go. You know, that, that says a lot. It helps smooth the process. It makes you feel a bit better about your purchase. And it's one of the biggest strengths of digital distribution is being able to play your game immediately. And PSN, they, I think they still have work to do. Microsoft, on the other hand... Um, had they have what they need the problem microsoft they, they need software that's what they need <laughs> that is their biggest issue right now they need the games to digital distribute you know versus the playstation so but uh yeah so now like consoles are even on the digital distribution track and i think it's uh gonna work out for them and then actually christina you brought up a console that i kind of forgot even existed the psp go i totally forgot it existed a lot of people did yeah <laughs> The, I mean, it was really good in, like, the hacking scene because, like, it was just, like, a system that you could just throw all your stuff in because I think it had some pretty decent storage. I don't know if you had to get a memory card or not for it, but the big fall was, of it was it was all digital. There was no UMD slot, and it was basically the same price as a standard PSP. So it was, like, why would you buy one that you had to download everything when you could just buy the games for it and, sl like, slap it in? Exactly. 
it was a lot easier that way. So, but yeah, I totally forgot that existed. But that's also digital distribution. Uh, digital distribution has definitely had effects on retail. On the console side, we're not seeing much effect yet. Besides the fact, you know, that you can walk into a GameStop or a Best Buy and see cards, like you know, you know, cards for games digitally. You know, that you you can see that. Um, I had, they haven't made the mistake of putting the key codes on the cards. That's a great mistake not to make, because that's actually one of the reasons. One of the reasons why PC uh, sales start to decline in retail before even digital distribution like Steam and stuff like that. Or, oh, go ahead, Nick. Well, no, I wanted to say though, like as far as seeing like those cards in retail and stuff. I mean, to talk about digital distribution in games, like this goes hand in hand with what we're seeing. Like people are comfortable downloading apps on their phone now. So for a lot of people to be looking at this, it's like, oh, okay, like this is me getting like a gift card to the iTunes store to buy some songs or, or buy some apps. But it's it's the same premise, but it's just, you know, instead of giving, getting the physical disc for your game, now you're able to do that. I think that – I think it's it, – the, the world in a, as a whole, the greater world is going through a similar – distribution change that we're seeing now and that's it's the psychology of the uh, the consumer that's really i think affected well i think yeah. a lot of it is as well um kind of the generation that's coming into i guess the gaming industry now is a lot of kids who you know with me growing up i had like my consoles and my toys and my this and that or whatever but like kids all have tablets now and it's required by schools to have them so yes no, I just want to say there is a, apparently teachers are saying now that kids can't hold pencils because their hands are too weak because instead of playing with like blocks and stuff, they play on the tablets and they just push buttons and their hands aren't developing the, the, the strength and dexterity they need to actually hold pencils. Huh. I Wiped mean, I can't hold pencils, but. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you see that a lot where like kids are used to just buying things and stuff on their tablet. So you'll see more of the younger generation going up, looking more into the digital age because that's kind of what they grew up in, where I think is a lot of stuff that I like to have the physical stuff is because we didn't really have digital as much as you do now. So like everything was physical and that's kind of how I remember it. Yeah. Well, even before, but like, you know, way before, you know, now, uh, you know, or this, uh, Let's say the, the the inception of the iPhone or the iPad, which is you know between like 2006 and 2010, right? Or uh, what? Well, the iPad came out. Maybe it was 2008 for the iPad. Yeah, I think it was 2007. I think 2007. Oh, for the okay. iPad, it was like 2009, yeah. wasn't it? Okay, so let's say that's when the app revolution happened and people were starting to get used to digital distribution. PC games were out of retail stores way before that, really. You know. Um, even when I worked at like a Best Buy, their PC game section wasn't too strong because one, you know, digital distribution makes it so that like, why even go out and bother? But two, PC games were super easy to steal because you didn't have to steal the game. You could just go into the box and get the code. That's all you needed. Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, there's no reason to have physical PC games because you have that, like, it's just code. Like, you don't, the disc doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, the and, disc doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You could, I mean, your friend could have the disc. You could make a could copy it with your burner, you know, back in the day and just get a, uh, you know, just get the code and slap it in. How that, many, that's it. Yeah, how many discs did you own? I mean, I used to have a whole, like, 
booklet full of, of oh, burnt discs gosh. with codes written on the disc, which was really a bad idea when you think about it, because you had to take the disc out to write down the code <laughs> and then put it back in. But yeah, I mean, I can't talk about, I, I probably shouldn't admit how much software I got that way and passed around and stuff. But yeah, that was, that was good times back then. Yeah. I, had, yeah. <laughs> I had a lot. Yeah. It wasn't even me. It was my dad. I didn't say that. I'm sorry. I'm not. It was definitely me. She's like, I'm sorry, FBI. Don't arrest my father. Don't, don't arrest my dad. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, PC games. I think were really on the way out from retail anyway. For for that one, that reason specifically, like you'd really only find PC games on like a GameStop or something like that. But now, do you now do you find PC games in a GameStop? There's no reason for you, no. you to buy a PC game anywhere besides digitally. Like I said, like with Steam in 2004. With one of the biggest games that came out that year, Half Life Two, was digital only. There was no reason for you to have a disc. I remember in uh, 2011, I bought. I think it was 2011. I bought Alien vs Predator. It gave you a disc. It had, it was, it had a 25 meg file on it. It was a Steam install file. I'm like, dude, why even bother? At that point, it's time to go and download Steam. But yeah, so yeah, the retail. We haven't seen a huge effect on retail for consoles yet but i wouldn't be surprised if gamestop turned into a hot topic for gamers you know well they own think geek now so a lot of like when you go into a gamestop you see like a lot of collectibles and everything and then there's some stores that are 50 50 which are gamestop and think geek and then in new york they have a couple of just think geek stores i think they're attached to their gamestops Right. Well, I think in the future they're still they're gonna have to allow out, you know, because GameStop owns Thinking, like you said, they're gonna have to allow outside vendors to sell their stuff in there. Because other than that, your GameStop might as well be a cart in a mall versus a store in the mall. Well, they do. I mean, you have pop figures and stuff, right? And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like that's a that's how GameStop survives. They become like a game culture store versus a selling game store, except on their wall where they have all of their cards, where you know they print your uh, your uh, codes out on your receipts when you buy a game, you know stuff like that. But you know, eventually, if digital distribution continues to do as well as it is, I think that you know people are just going to get used to doing that. I mean, it's so great to not have to leave the house to buy your games. You know, if I wake up on a Saturday morning and I have nothing to do, I can find something to do in my underwear without leaving the house. <laughs> I was going to say you could technically leave the house. Yeah, why do that when I could explore, you know, distant planets in my underwear? <laughs> you know, you could explore distant planets in your underwear outside of the house it just depends on what drugs you take (laughs) (laughs) again though speaking to like the greater culture i mean you look at like the rise of amazon and stuff like that like i the only time i like really ever leave the house is just to go food shopping or like you know to pick up like you know like dinner or something like i never like i rarely go to the store to buy stuff i could just oh i'll order it on amazon and like you know unless i really need it like that, like immediately, oh yeah, you know, two days for the free shipping. It's, you know, well, not free because it's with Prime, but I mean, it, again, it's, it's the, the whole, there's a, this is like representative of a greater shift or it's not representative, but like a, a segment of just a greater shift in our society as far as just moving to, uh, you know, an online consumerism that is affecting all these, you know, brick and mortar stores. It's, uh, it, it's an interesting time to be, uh, to be alive, I guess. 
That is very true. That is true. Well, I guess we should actually talk about the issues of digital distribution, especially when it comes to like, you know, these stores like Steam and Origin and stuff like that. So one of the biggest problems with digital distribution or having this stuff digitally is account theft. That's a huge issue because now your accounts have value and people don't have to break into your house to get your stuff. They just have to crack your account, which most people have shit security on their account, right? Steam is probably one of the best in terms of getting your account secure. And actually, Origin, you can do two-factor authentication as well, but not all the services allow that. But I'm going to tell you this from personal experience. You do not want to get your Steam account stolen because Steam support is the worst. I don't even think they have a support department. I think they just take turns like who, when getting tickets. Like It is awful. I got my account stolen back in 2008. And it took two weeks for me to get my account back. When they originally gave my account back, it wasn't my account. It was somebody else's account with their friends, their games. And I had to reach back out to them. I'm like, this isn't my account. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want my account back. And they finally gave it back to me, but it took two weeks for me to get my account back, which was terrible. And like accounts, like, you know, once they crack your account, you know, they'll sell it on a black market and it is difficult. Like, it's just not easy to get it back. And it's not even just your security you have to worry about. It's the security at this vet, at this uh, supplier themselves. So for example, Microsoft had a huge problem back in like 2013, I think, is whenever FIFA started doing like the card packs, they had a huge issue because what was happening is that people would use phishing techniques on Xbox Live support representatives to steal accounts. And when they would steal the account, they would pop FIFA into their system and use the credit card on file to buy a whole bunch of card packs so parents would find out about this by getting you know a five thousand dollar ten thousand dollar credit card bill they will run up the credit card until it couldn't do anymore and then guess what you know what you can't get a refund on card packs you know can't get a refund on card packs parenting <laughs> so, hack if i can just recommend a parenting hack keep your credit card right near the minimum so if your kid steals the card they don't have room to charge too much or don't <laughs> put your credit card on the system I'm going to do that, though. Yeah. (laughs) After the PSN hack, I think everybody should know that. But people still do it. People are comfortable again. There are are some Uh, credit cards where you can get, like, You don't follow your own advice? I don't follow my own (laughs) advice. I tell people all the time, don't put your credit card on the system. It's it's on everything. I mean, it's not on everything. Don't hack me, guys. No, there are some... (laughs) Uh, credit card companies that'll let you get like a temporary number for specific transactions or you can even use it for recurring transactions up to a certain limit so you can get this number it's only used for that one transaction that one time and this way you know the the company whatever they keep on file because even if you tell them not to keep it on file they might still have it in their system somewhere this way you know that like if anybody gets that number they can't do anything with it so if you, if you can get that like a system like that from your credit card company highly recommended i never put my credit cards or like my my high um credit balance credit uh, high credit credit cards on my accounts like uh actually the te- the technique that I have with my like debit card anyway is I don't have that much money on that account 
right? If somebody were to actually steal my credit card, good luck with that. Well, not credit card, but debit card. Like, good luck with that two hundred bucks. You might, you might be able to get out of it. Depends on the day of the week, right? Because like every pay period, I put a certain amount of money on it, and that is it, <laughs> you know. But like, um, that if somebody actually stole one of my accounts in the beginning, you know that's all they would get but now i don't even do that much now at most i might attach a, a paypal account to my uh to to like my psn or my xbox live and pay that way because paypal is actually surprising very consumer centric like if you tell them i didn't get this I, this is not me they but okay <laughs> like, and that's kind of like the end of the discussion. Well, a big issue too is like, and I don't know how, cause I don't have a Xbox now, but like with the 360, it was like right when they changed their user agreement and we got a three month card just cause we wanted to play a game for a little bit or a one month. And the next yeah. month they charged us for it. Even though we took our credit card off the system, we had to call them and be like, yo, take the credit card off. And they still didn't even do it. And they would not give us a refund. Yeah, Microsoft does not offer does not issue refunds at all. It's a no complete it was, no it's refund like policy. Impossible to get your credit card off of there. Yep, yep. So, but yeah, like that's like one of one of the big problems is that like, yeah, you not just have to worry about your security, but the security that they have at these places. Uh, also, there's we mentioned with Steam, but there's no ownership of your games, right? You can if you get locked out of your Steam account because you violate Valve's like terms of service, you lose everything you have on that account. EA, I don't know if they still do this, but or like when Origin first came out, if you got suspended on your like on the account from like let's say you did something in the forums that got suspended, it locks you out of your games. Like that, like, you know, you have no ownership of the game, so that's another issue. Well, technically, there's never been proper ownership of the games. You've always just been agreeing to use a license to use the software, and that's always been kind of a murky gray area. Or I shouldn't say maybe not never, but with it was the, a problem. Advent of Yule is really. It was a problem if you took them to court for something because you wanted to do something to the game. Right now, you can actually get locked out of your game that you paid for. That's the big thing with digital or with the physical because you don't technically own the physical version. It's the same thing with CDs. You don't technically own it, but you could throw it in the system. And depending on the game, I mean, you can still play it regardless. Like I lost my DLC for Fable Two. I tried to call Microsoft. They hung up on me. Like I could, like, could not find that in my like licenses and my download history. Like nothing. It was just gone. And yeah, then I couldn't. Most- I, and then I couldn't play the game at all because it was like you need the DLC to play. And I was like, ugh. Yeah, because like once they take it off of their store, like that's it. Like you know. Yeah, it wasn't even that. It just it. was got. Well, I tried to transfer it to another Xbox so I could play it with somebody, and when I transferred it back, somehow the license just like completely went missing. I don't even know what happened. Well, and Microsoft don't care. Catch nope. money, don't care. So we have no ownership. Also, uh, with digital distribution, you've seen some harsh uh, DRM. You know where? Like I know um. The PlayStation 4, if you don't log in for a certain amount of time, you will, you, like, your games lock out. Like, you don't have access to them anymore. Like, that's the games that you bought digitally, anyway. Uh, did They won't work anymore. Um, who else had a, like, was like that? Oh, Ubisoft. Sorry. Ubisoft was like that, too. Where, actually, back in, like, oh, was this 2013? Maybe 2014? So, basically, with Uplay, they had to move their authentication servers to a different data site. And while they were doing that, everybody was locked out of their Ubisoft PC games. Everybody. 
because of how the DRM was set up. So you get some pretty harsh, you can get some pretty harsh DRM. Uh, with Steam, Steam, you really don't like the, D, it's really DRM light, you know, because if you don't log into a Steam account, as long as your password is cached, you're fine. You can play the game as long as the password's cached. You know, so you can load up your, because I've done that before. I've loaded up a laptop with Steam games and then gone on a flight, you know? Yeah. I've, I was going to say, like, if as long as it's downloaded and you're, like, you're able to access it. I mean, like, I've played games offline when my internet's gone out and stuff, too. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing like playing Alien versus Predator on a flight. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. I can't as play the Predator. It huh? <laughs> I, I wouldn't play it anyway. No. Like, like as a, as a Predator, you could, like, you could dig into somebody's stomach and pull their spinal cord with skull attached out of their stomach. You know, I, there was this lady when the last time I, well, last time I played, like, it's around 2011, uh, there was a woman, like, watching my screen in disgust, and I just kept doing it over and over and over again. <laughs> I also kept doing the bowling ball thing where I would just, like, poke my fingers in somebody's, you know, eyes and pull their head off as the predator. And playing as a predator is fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed that too much. But... <laughs> Yeah, so you can let's see some pretty harsh DRM, but Steam definitely is is the best out of that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that some people have lightened up. Like, hopefully, Ubisoft has lightened up a bit. Um, actually, Ubisoft's philosophy on DRM has lightened up quite a bit because they used to have some pretty draconian DRM on their games. Period. This is even before you play. But uh, yeah, harsh DRM, not cool. And then also. Uh, something that goes along with these digital distribution services, and this also affects games as a service, are pre-dispute arbitration agreements. And generally with pre-dispute arbitration agreements, you lose your right to a class action lawsuit, which, let's be real, if something happens with one of these services, and you get your information stolen, credit cards but let's let's not even mention credit cards because that's what people think about just stuff like your name address sensitive information like that is actually pretty important information to get to lose and you can get your identity stolen you know it can lead to identity theft if that's if their services get hacked and you lose that information Usually, the only recourse you have is a is a uh, is a class action lawsuit because if you go as you know John Smith and try to sue Blizzard, Blizzard's just gonna wrap you up in litigate. Is it gonna wrap you up in uh, you know legal shit to the point that you can't pay for it anymore? That's how they're gonna. That's how they're gonna deal with it. That's how any of these places will deal with it. So you actually lose your ability to go to do a class action lawsuit. Um, there was a lot of uh, controversy with that after the PSN got hacked. The new update that came out after that, uh, if you agree to it, you lost your right to sue Sony for like any reason. I think it's yep. not just for the PlayStation, but for any of their products, um, which it was one of the Assassin's Creed Syndicate or Unity, one of those that the season pass never came out. And they, they gave everybody like free games. But before you accepted those free games, even though you paid for the season pass, like you had to agree that you couldn't go back or sue them or or whatever for not producing the season pass yeah well now everybody does it i mean valve yeah. has a pre-dispute arbitration agreement battle.net has a pre-dispute arbitration agreement origin definitely has it and that's the one that i wanted to talk about because that's why i wouldn't sign up for origin originally but here's the deal 
I had an EA store account, which turned into an Origin account. So I already had an account. And because of this, I had the option to send a letter and saying, I specifically do not agree to this pre-dispute arbitration agreement with Origin. So I can still actually enter a class action lawsuit against Origin. That's the only reason. That's, well, that's, now I kind of don't care because everybody, at this point, all the other services I use have pre-dispute arbitration agreements, right? So it doesn't make a difference. But originally when I first started using Origin, which was for Crisis 3? Maybe Mass Effect 2. I can't remember. No. It was, yeah, it was, I think it was Crisis 3 was the first Origin game I actually bought. Um, yeah, it, that, like that, that's when I was able to do that, it was fine. But now it doesn't make a difference. It's everything, even your phone service. This is all AT&T's fault, by the way. They're the first ones who really uh, got that started. But yeah, now you, it, it, it doesn't make a difference. Any service you use, you probably have uh, no right to class action, you know, to sue them in a class action lawsuit. So, do you have something, Nick? No, I'm just agreeing with you. Oh, I thought you raised your hand for a second there. So that's another thing that, that affects these services. And also, just lack of refund in most services. Now Steam does allow a refund, but for a long time, they really didn't. You know, you also can't share games. You can't transfer games or anything like that. So you do have game sharing options on the PS4 and Xbox One. I don't know if you're specifically talking about Steam, but I think they they really try to limit it to households. So like when you have multiple children, you don't have to buy like 20 of the same game, but you can only have like one in one. They give you two licenses: It's the primary license and the secondary license. Um, so that way, like whatever system has the primary license, any user has access to their downloadable content. So you could you could kind of do it in that regard, but a lot of people abuse it um, and use it with friends, especially with a PS3. That's something I totally didn't do and shared it with five people and downloaded games that way. Yeah, I haven't seen. I really haven't seen anybody use that. To be honest with you, I, I use it. Oh, of course you do. Yeah, but it's <laughs> in the same household. Uh huh. That's okay. Nobody, nobody else snitching here, Christina. Everybody's like learning how like sleazy I am in this podcast. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, most services don't. I know Steam is considering allowing you to transfer games. That that is something they are considering. You well, you can have game licenses. You can have access to other people's libraries, but that's about it. But you can't play on their library at the same time that they're playing on it. No, yeah. So that's the thing. Like they want, like if I, if you have a, if if I have a friend, I want to send them that my actual license. You know, you can't do that for now. But it's something that may happen in the future. We'll see, though. But that's really, really one of the only things. Like you just can't. You know, with a physical game, you can just take it over to somebody's place, and now you cannot. So, but that's enough of the bad news. What about the good news, though? Like, what benefits do we see with digital distribution? It's awesome. <laughs> Great well, I already, argument. I already mentioned one that you know, you know you definitely get games faster, right? Uh, yeah, I can wake up on a Saturday morning and just decide to get a game and that's it. But another one is the deep discounts you get. I mean, we kind of talked, we talked about that on one of the earlier mash casts. You know, that's part of my backlog problem is like when I see a game that's 75% off, I was like, well, don't know if it's going to be 75% off next time. 
I'm gonna get I'm gonna get it. So, but yeah, you deep discounts. And that has a lot to do with the fact that there's less middlemen driving up prices. You know, you don't have to worry about selling your game through Best Buy. You don't have to worry about transporting it to a Best Buy or working with a printer to get it printed out on disc and making a box and all this stuff. It's just you just need a place to store the files and you need to have a good bandwidth to distribute it. Yeah, but don't the discounts that we see not add up to the cost that is saved by us getting those discounts no they they definitely make more money off of it don't i'm not saying like oh we see we definitely see those discounts like no they make they definitely make more money off it but i'd rather the money go to a developer than best buy (laughs) well one of the things that i have issues with i know we're on the pros but like with the digital stuff you're just getting the license for the game that you can download and it's the same price as the physical game which you get the disc in the box and then sometimes manual and all that stuff but because of that though the pro on that other side is it is helping the environment if you do digital because you're not consistently getting these plastic boxes that end up in the trash okay See? We can roll with it. We can roll with helping the environment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but is it though because you still have to power the servers? The servers have to be up all the time, and there, there's still like a net drain on the environment. I, I'm I'm not I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but I I, I just uh, I just wouldn't necessarily assert that outright because there's still you know the the increase in power from having to supply all these servers that can buy that may offset whatever is saved by you know not throwing out a cardboard box's worth of a tree. It's plastic. Or, or, or the yeah, <laughs> even worse, the uh, the carbon footprint of, of making uh, plastic, uh, plastic uh, container. Why don't you do that comparison for me and then get back to me at the next podcast? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and also you have access to more games because now since there's less of a barrier to entry, you have more developers that can make a game and then put it on Steam. And this works good sometimes, it works bad sometimes. I'm like, with the Xbox, especially like uh, the Xbox 360 with the Indie Games channel, you know, didn't work out so great. Lots of back massages in that, the Xbox Live Indie Games. <laughs> so if you don't know what I'm talking about, people just made apps or they made games that made your controller vibrate that's like all it did i wouldn't say that never mind (laughs) (laughs) they were called back massager games that's what they were called yeah you know air quotes (laughs) just they can't see you christina i know that's because i'm laughing yeah i mean but you know, you had a lot of like you can get a lot of trash games because of digital distribution. Actually, Steam, even Steam had trouble with that. Steam for a while had some issues where, like for like a year or two, it's just a bunch of trash, unfinished games making it on the Steam, and they kind of reeled that in, right? You know, now they have like early access. Was it you was know. that with the green light service that they came out with, and that's why it was like that, or did they come out with the green light service because of that reason? I think the, the green light service is one of the first attempts to fix that. To, for the answer to okay. Yeah, but now early access, like games that are early access, are clearly marked, and some of these early access games look really, really good. But I'm just kind of like, Ugh, I, I, I don't, I'm not gonna have time to play it twice. I'm just gonna wait until it's done, you know. So some of them will actually buy an early access game, but I'm not gonna play it until they actually release it. 
Yeah, that's the problem I made with Slime Rancher is I bought it early access and I like played through every version that they came out with and I restarted every time and now I'm just like the f- game's finally out and I haven't played through it. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I already know I am not going to have time for that. So, yeah. So that's why I just wait. I do have a couple early access games that I purchased. I'm just waiting for the official release. It's essentially like a pre-order, right? It's like a pre-order. Uh, basically but, but you it is cheaper technically for the early access games because they always true. have them more expensive when they come out yep it is very true it's a gamble though because the game may actually never come out you never know or the game may get purchased by somebody like a, a, a publisher may purchase the game and now it's like well you don't know if you're going to be able to get the game for free or not so or you know they should they get the game free or if they're going to honor the, the purchase that you already made you just don't know so there's definitely some benefits uh, but like there's definitely a lot like there's a lot of it's like risk versus reward here like you can have all these other things like you could buy you can have steam libraries that are like two thousand dollars three thousand dollars worth of games and then have it gone in a flash because something happened like the account gets stolen or you violate some term of service now valve takes away all of your games like i'm sorry like even if you do uh, you know you know, violate the terms of service by being like a dick or something like that, or cheating, let's say. I don't think they should have the right to take away all of your games, but they do. <laughs> that's kind of the deal, right? Uh, that's why usually cheaters on Counter-Strike only have an account with just Counter-Strike on it because they don't want to <laughs> lose their main, you know, they don't want to lose their main game. So, so I, I have heard about people, though, who accidentally left their cheats on when they would switch their main account got caught and then lost their accounts and they're crying to Valve to get their stuff back and it's just not working. So, yeah, that can happen too. Kind of your fault. Yeah, man, I gotta turn them hacks off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, like digital distribution for the most part, I think it's it's a positive, right? It's a positive, but you do need to be aware like these are the kind of things that you're giving up, you know? Right, well, if you have a physical game you don't own, you technically don't own that game, you just have the right to use that game, but with digital distribution, that takes it to a whole new level because if they want to get rid of the game, like they, they no longer want to host the game on their services, you cannot get it. Like I was saying, the, the uh, couple, I don't know when it was, but about the Scott Pilgrim game on the PS3, you can't download that anymore. And that was like a full-fledged game. It was out. You could buy it and everything. It wasn't like PT where the game just didn't come out. Like there yeah. were people that like worked and put like all of their time into it just to have it not up anymore. Well, PT, I mean, well, PT was a trailer for another game, but again, right. that's another piece of software. It's a, you know, an hour long gaming experience, just completely gone, erased from the world. So, I mean, yes, same thing with Scott Pilgrim that it, you know, that, that companies do have the ability. And, but I, th- I think that also, that isn't entirely just digital distribution because you know, like once you've purchased the game, you're still, the game's still checking into a service. And I mean, we're not purely talking about just the physical transaction of buying a game, but this, these are functions that go along with that service, though, that a company can then go ahead, go right into your computer or, or your console and remove the game entirely. It's it's uh, it's really a bit frightening in a, in a way. Yeah, but if you have the game physically, is what I'm saying, is you could just pop it in. I don't know if there's any way for them to delete that, but even if you just like take it, like the PS3, for instance, if you if Scott Pilgrim was physical, it'd still be alive. But not, I don't necessar- even- not necessarily, because it's entirely... They could set it up so that the physical game still has to authenticate against a, a foreign server, and this way they know they can sunset it whenever they want. Take it off the internet forever, just Pretty to much. play Scott Pilgrim. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you have a lot of uh, you have to have a lot of faith in these companies that they won't hose you. Uh, because if they do, like they're they're within their legal right because you already agreed to it. Well, I think in the long run they're gonna hose us no matter what. I mean, all the servers at some point are going down. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, whatever game you're playing now, you know, ten years down the line, twenty years down the line, fifty years down the line, at some point, some company's gonna be like, this game isn't worth hosting anymore. It's got. You know, if you're lucky, maybe they'll turn the game over to the community and let them host it, and then they'll they can you know, you know, ride it into oblivion. But I mean, even you know, even the the big games like World of Warcraft and stuff, the day is going to come when they get shut down. They are you know nothing nothing lasts forever. Yeah, but I mean that's a little different because like well you know Warcraft is a service and you would eventually expect it uh, to go away or to get right. upgraded you know in the next Warcraft. But you know take for example Max Payne like right now you can get Max Payne on Steam. Like at what point do they take Max Payne off of Steam? I you think know? in that case, well I think you know but at some point though, Steam's gonna have to look and be like you know like are they gonna continue to update Max Payne for computers you know twenty years from now? Is it gonna? Is any anybody connecting to Steam even gonna have hardware that can run Max Payne? I mean, I'm sure there's gonna be the edge case out there somewhere, just like somebody now is running like a 386 or something somewhere. But I mean, at some point, Steam's gonna look and say, like, okay, we've got a bunch of these games that ran on like you know Windows XP that are all on our system here that have not been upgraded. I mean, hope maybe maybe Microsoft, you know builds in all the backwards compatibility you want and everything works great going forward that assumes microsoft remains as dominant as they do but you know 20 years from now what operating system are we using how how well does it work with the old stuff and you know are we going to be able to play these games at some point is steam going to look and say look we're hosting all this space you know we're making these games available nobody's buying them they're not doing anything there we need to start cutting stuff off after a certain point and maybe they're not going in and removing it from uh, you know, they're not removing it from your drive, but it could well be that it's like, look, if you if you have a, an old Windows XP computer somewhere that's got Max Payne running on it, you know, 2049, you may f- suddenly find yourself unable to play Max Payne at that point. Right. I mean, I give you that. It's just, you know, if you have a physical copy of Max Payne even 20 years from now and you build a virtual machine to run Max Payne because that's what you want to play, you can do that. Like right now, if I wanted to, right? I could build a Windows XP VM and play Oni because I have it here in a box. I have it. For those who don't know what Oni is, it's probably Valve's last great game. No, not Valve's <laughs> last great game. I was going to make a Destiny 2 joke there, but I flubbed it. I flubbed it. Uh, but That's yeah, $1. Man, huh? So that's $1. No, I didn't actually complete the but joke. You, but you mentioned it, though. Yeah, you did. You did, oh, and Fucking you were going to talk crap on it. And, and, and again, you went until like an hour 22 in. Like, <laughs> this is like your breaking point. Like you physically can't wait any longer to mention it. <laughs> yeah, but I have a physical copy of Oni that I actually found at a flea market. Not like probably like seven years ago. I was like, is that Oni? I'll buy it, <laughs> you know, for $5. But um, yeah, like I have a physical copy of Oni. If I, it, the, the game does not work on anything uh, higher than Windows XP. But if I wanted to, I could build a virtual machine or virtual box and install the game there and play it if I wanted to. But can't do that, you know, with it with, with it being digital. So you gotta, you know, you kinda gotta look at that. Maybe, you know, 
Valve is like a consumer-centric com- uh, or gamer-centric company, so maybe they'll do something like, these games are getting ready to go offline. You can store backup copies on your computers. Maybe they'll do something like that. But there's no guarantee. They don't have to. Well, or, or even then, I mean, look at how Nintendo makes you buy the same game over and over and over again. Every time they update the Wii Shop for a new for a new console, you want to have to pay for the same game again and again That's and again. Lucrative. At what point is, do you think, like, you know, Rockstar may be in the works of making a, a Max Payne remaster right now, for all we know? Because they certainly don't need to continue the story because they need to leave Max alone. <laughs> <laughs> I just Maybe. imagine that Chris Crocker video with Lee Brittany alone, but with you and Lee <laughs> yeah. Max alone. <laughs> He's in a good place at the end of the game. Leave him alone. <laughs> at least don't make it go past Max Payne 3. Do something between, something like that. But uh, yeah, so they, they may be doing a Max Payne remaster. These remasters and remakes are moneymakers. You know, I'm getting ready to buy Shadow Colossus again. <laughs> you know. As soon as I get through Gravity Rush, I'm going to buy Child of the Colossus. In three years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that that's another thing. Like, they, they don't really have an incentive to allow you to keep your games after you buy them. Because they want you to rebuy them. I'm going to be buying Jack and Daxter collection for PS4. Again. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite series for the PS2, you know? But that's how it works, but... Yeah, I think we're we're good here. What do you guys think? Well, what do you think the future holds actually for digital distribution? That's the only question that I have. Do you think it's going to like exceed and put companies out of business? You're not going to have physical copies anymore? I think that at some point some companies are going to stop providing physical copies because there's just no reason for them to do it. Just like PC, there's no reason for you to have a physical copy of a PC game unless it's like uh, special edition, but that's even for the box, right? That's the stuff in the box because the disc is probably just going to have Steam on it or it's going to have Origin on it. But there's no reason, like there's really, there's a lot, there's really no reason for you to have a physical copy of the game. And right now, I think the only reason the consoles have not made more of a push for digital distribution, like you know, not selling physical copies, is because they know most of their audience still goes to get physical copies and parents walk into game stops and best buys to pick up this stuff you know well i think part of it too is that they they still have they, they're still very reliant on the physical distributors that i mean we saw like microsoft was supposedly what for the xbox uh the xbox one there were rumors that it wasn't even going to have a cd slot that it was just going to be entirely digital and then that turned out to be false but I think that they they want to move to that world because they know that in that case they can completely control the ecosystem and they get all the revenue and then there's no alternative. But I think they know at the end of the day that they are still very much dependent on uh, you know digital retailers or, or physical retailers rather for a certain segment of their base. It's we're like right there, but we're not quite there. And I think it kind of it, it, it infuriates them a little bit. I think a lot of it, too, is people who don't have internet, if you take away, like, the option to be able to play a game. And that sounds silly, because, like, who doesn't have internet that would have an Xbox One or PS4, but people that, like, would be deployed, for instance, or stuff like that, um, where, because Microsoft got a lot of slack for that at E3, when they were like, well, what if, you know, you're deployed and you don't have the internet? And they were like, well, then have a 360. Like, what, what do you want me to say? And that was not a good answer. People did not respond well to that. 
Yep. That's why he's no longer the head of Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean that's that's not, you do have to worry about that a little bit. But and I think the actually the biggest problem is like in the United States because the United States is probably one of the worst uh, out of the developed nations. They're one of the worst with internet, right? You know, I think if you're not in a developed nation, having a internet connected console is the least of your worries. But in the United States, there's still big swaths of this country that don't have reliable internet access. It's a potato internet. And companies like Comcast and Verizon do a lot to block that. Because, like, even when Google was going to expand, I think they've stopped their expansion efforts. I mean, shit, Ver- Comcast got Verizon to stop expanding Fios in New Jersey. Instead of really? New Jersey. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like it's 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 kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like Comcast, like you know, this, this, this type of, they dig their claws into a certain like county or a township, and they cause some trouble. I mean, like Verizon's having tons of trouble in Philadelphia right now, uh, trying to get things done. And I'm pretty sure in Verizon areas, like one place where Verizon has their claws, Comcast and Time Water has a really tough time trying to expand into those places. Well, as long as we have a pro-consumer FCC, I'm pretty sure that all of this will get worked out in our favor. So I think we're okay. Oh, that's a huge joke, Nick. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Like, it's that that's probably one of the biggest problems with digital distribution too. Is that you know it, a lot of that will exclude quite a few people, but more and more games are internet connected. I mean, it, you could go out and buy one of the, neat, the one of the more recent Need for Speeds, right? But if you can't connect to the internet, you can't play the game anyway. Actually, Call of Duty World War II, you have to at least be connected to the internet to download the day one patch or else you can't play it. It says it on the box, requires internet. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy. So was it unlock the game? I think it's just a day one patch that they needed to have... I don't. I have no clue. Why. How does a day one patch stop you from playing the game when it doesn't know it needs a day one uh, patch? <laughs> maybe there is something game breaking in it. I have no clue. But like, you definitely need internet to be able to at least play it for the first time. Wow. Yeah. Or it maybe like they made un- it that way. It sounds like it's unlocking the game. Like that's what it yeah. sounds like. So that's crazy. But um, like no, like that. That's that's probably the biggest problem. But as the country becomes you know, if the government gets off their ass and actually starts working toward, you know, infrastructure. Working for the people. Yeah, yeah, working for the people. Then maybe this wouldn't be as big of a problem. But it's mostly probably the South, I would say. Because if you go, like, to states like some places that you think would have shit internet, like South Dakota, have amazing internet. Like, I've been there because I had to go out to South Dakota before for work to a few places. And their internet is blazing fast because of the, they have the infrastructure in place but in some places he's right like some like some places you can only get dsl oh yeah i i'm basically from the woods and i was okay with the internet but i had friends who lived like a little bit further back like in woods and they had to have like little wi-fi packs that they plugged into their computers to use them and that like hardly worked and they to get internet back there they had to spend hundreds of dollars yeah it's still it's still really expensive like um you know, I deal with businesses a lot. And there's still places like uh, in business. There are still business parks that aren't wired for cable or files. And to do that, 
it costs like $50,000, $100,000 in some cases. It's like, wow, that's how much Comcast charges. So a lot, a lot of times those places will get together and pay it together. But like if you are one, if you are one business, it's like $50,000 just to get the privilege to pay for internet after that. Ooh, it's a bit much. It's a bit much. So, but yeah, all right. But yeah, I think we're done here for now. Until the next episode. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and close up. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, this podcast is available on multiple podcast platforms for both iOS and Android. You should just be able to go and type in MASHCAST and it will come up. If it does not, you can go and check out the RSS feed right on the MASHCAST Buttons website. You can check that out and that will uh, you know, get you subscribed if you're not subscribed already. Uh, you can find us on twitter.com slash MTB site, facebook.com slash mash those buttons and youtube.com slash mash those buttons. Nick, what is your social information? I am at WookieBH on Twitter. And as mentioned, you can find me on wow talk and the torn and the goblin, the two world of Warcraft podcasts here on mash those buttons. All right. And what about you, Christy? I am s'mores pops heart on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and Instagram. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore jaw underscore. I'm considering a change into church jaw, but I don't know if I want that many characters or not. But now we have 280 characters. It may not make a difference. If you so. become the church of jaw, does that make you like tax exempt or something? I wish it did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can feel free to join the Mash Those Buttons Discord. We'd love to have you there to uh, you know talk about the stuff that we talk about the show, which is discord.me slash mash those buttons. And uh, you know, we definitely encourage everybody to reach out so you can reach us on Twitter or on Discord or the website or leave a comment someplace and we'll you know try our best to uh, check it out. If you enjoy the show, you want to help us out, the best way to do so is to share the show with others and also to leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. And I encourage everybody to check out matchesbuttons.com slash shows to check out our other great podcasts. Like Nick mentioned, we have two World of Warcraft podcasts. We have an Overwatch podcast. We also have a Division podcast and a fighting game podcast. So, yeah, definitely check those out, matchesbuttons.com slash shows. So, uh, once again, thank you guys very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. See ya. See ya.